Well, beloved, there's a lot of folks here, and we're glad you're here, especially if you're new with us, and I know sometimes family comes and joins uh, regular tenders here, members here on this day, but uh, if you're looking for a church, we would love for you to come back next Sunday and join us as we continue to worship the Lord together as a body of Christ. I just want to welcome you. We're glad you're here, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dive right into uh, the sermon today, the message today, because I have a lot that I'd like to communicate to you. And so I'm going to go ahead and just start now. I'm going to read you another text, another resurrection text in the New Testament. I read you one from the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. This one is in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, you don't have to turn there, because uh, I'm just going to move on. But this is what the Apostle Paul says in verses 3 through 8. He said this to the church in Corinth, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are all still alive, or are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Falling asleep means they've died. Book of Corinthians was written approximately two decades, 20 years after Jesus' resurrection and his subsequent appearances. So by that time, some who had witnessed this resurrection, witnessed this man back from the dead, raised from the dead, had now died. But some were still alive, and Paul uh, made reference to that. Then in verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And you know, Paul will go on, he sets this up because Paul will go on to defend the resurrection, and so he establishes the resurrection as a historical fact. It happened. There are witnesses, witnesses to this very event. Men and women who ultimately ended up giving their lives proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and for me, that's one of, one of the strongest arguments for its historical reality. Listen, if I wasn't sure that Jesus resurrected, okay, if I wasn't sure or someone had just told me but I didn't know about it, or if I was making it up and you threatened me with death, if I didn't recant this proclamation that he was risen from the dead, I would recant. There's no way I would go to the grave or die or be tortured for a lie or for something I didn't really see. Many of these folks gave up their lives proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they saw it and it changed their lives forever. It changed their lives forever. Beloved, we gather t- today as a church to corporately celebrate the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day, just as he said he would. Yes, amen. And just as the scriptures, the word of God, had foretold. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. This risen man is the Son of God and the one and only Savior of sinners. Amen? And I say the one and only Savior of sinners... Because that is what the Word of God tells us. And it is critical for people to hear that, for you to hear that in our crazy and confused world. Listen, it is not uncommon, right, to hear people say that there are many ways or paths to God. Have you heard that? 
or that almost everyone goes to heaven, whether they are a follower of Christ or not. You ever heard that? I say almost because if you push any of those people, if you press back on them or ask them a question, you know, everyone goes to heaven. Everyone? Hitler? Well, of course not Hitler, but everyone, you know, or not the child molester or the rapist or the murderer, but everyone else, they go. What about Christ? What about him? <laughs> the world's confused, beloved. And, and maybe there is someone here that believes or thinks some of those things I just talked about. And, and really, I want to speak to you this morning. I'm here to speak to Christians as well. We're going to have a good time together as we move through the text, but really my heart and, and all of this is directed towards you who, who might be confused about who Jesus really is, who don't have a, a real relationship with him. And, and maybe, like I said, you believe some of this stuff, that there are many paths to God, or that, you know what, I'm doing okay, and pretty much everyone's going to go to heaven because I haven't killed anybody. I'll be okay. But, beloved, all of that is a deceitful scheme of the enemy of God and of man. That's what it is. Let me tell you, that's what it is. It's a deceitful scheme of the enemy of God and the enemy of man, who is the devil. Yeah, he's real too. He's as real as Jesus. He's not make-believe. He's real. It is a lie, all of that nonsense, a falsehood that sadly far too many in our world have embraced. And listen, if it were true, if that, any of that stuff was true, then Jesus Christ would have to be declared a liar or a lunatic. For the Lord Jesus is the one who said this in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, there's no exceptions, no one comes to the Father except through me. Me who? Jesus, right? He is not one way, beloved. You've heard this before, but I want to say it again, and especially for those of you who've never heard this, hear it. He is not one way or one way among many, but he is the way. The truth and the life, there is no other way to heaven. No other way. About this one, the apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. In no one else. No exceptions. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. About him, the Apostle John says this, that this one Jesus, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in where? His Son. Whoever has the Son has what? Right? Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have what? Life, beloved. The world can be divided into two classes of people. Those who have the Son and those who don't. That's it. It's that simple. You want to simplify the world? It's those who have the Son. That's how God sees it. Those who have the Son, and they'll be made up of all types of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. But over here, those who do not have the Son, and sadly, they'll be made up of all types of people from tongue, tribes, and nations. I plead with you. 
sincerely consider this question. Do you really have the Son? Do you have a saving relationship with the way, the truth, in the life, with the one and only one in whom salvation is found? With the risen and living Son of God? Do you have a relationship with Him? I believe with all my heart that it is the most important question you will ever be asked on this earth. Ladies, it is not, will you marry me? <laughs> Indeed, an important question in your life. But by far, not anywhere as important as this one, do you have the Son of God? And if you have no idea, you're here this morning, you have no idea. Or maybe you'll be listening to this in the future by way of internet. Or you know the answer is no, okay, to that question. Then it is my earnest hope and prayer that you would not leave here today in that most dreadful and dangerous condition. And it is a most dreadful and dangerous condition, and I want to show you that today based on what the Word of God in the Bible says about resurrection. Resurrection, which happens to be what we're celebrating today. So I want to connect those two together. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But, uh, but along with that, that perverse lie that there are many ways to God or all roads lead to heaven, it's a lie, beloved. It's a lie, my friends. There is another terrible lie that also leads people to their destruction. A lie that is sadly being embraced more and more as our culture abandons any thought of God and becomes increasingly more secular day by day. And that lie, my friends, is that this is all there is. That there is no heaven, no hell. Popular song way back in the day that said those exact words. No afterlife, as the Bible describes it. No God or supreme being to whom you will answer after you die. That you only live once, as the popular acronym goes, YOLO. And along with YOLO, that's a, it's Y-O-L-O for you who don't know. Y-O-L-O, you only live once. This suggests, based on this destructive worldview, we are told, and it is a destructive worldview, that you need to live it up. You need to go ahead and live how you want, experience what you can, while you still can, because after this life, it's over, and this life is short. You ever heard that? It's everywhere, beloved. Exhibit A. Chipotle. A Chipotle cup. And you're like, wow, Jeremy, that's dangerous to eat a Chipotle. Don't you know that? <laughs> yes, I know that. I live on the edge. <laughs> I ride a motorcycle, I've jumped out of a plane, and I eat at Chipotle. <laughs> so I got this cup uh, actually this week. I think God wanted me to see this. 
And let me just, again, just to kind of, this right here, this, what's on this cup, which is supposed to stir conversation while you're sitting there having your burrito, this is that worldview that I'm talking to you about. That thinking, that lie, that destructive stuff that sends people to everlasting hell. It begins with a, a, a false worldview that we, we basically, you know, the typical thing. You know, there was a big explosion billions and billions of years ago, and, and over time, guess what happened? Eventually, humanity popped out of all the stuff, right? They hold that worldview, babe, people. That, that worldview, I said, babe, that, I don't know why. That worldview, probably because I was talking to her at lunch when this happened. That worldview is held, I'm going to tell you, by people, either they don't know, but let me tell you why it's necessary for the fallen world. Because it allows them, they think in their mind, to avoid having to think about God. God is creator. God is the one who created the world. In six days, by the way. Not in 4.5 billion. Let me read this to you. Okay? You ready? Here's what they suggest. Tattoo Earth's 4.5 billion year timeline. Eh, Wrong. Onto your arm. Shoulder to fingertip in your upper arm, you will get nothing but geographic mayhem, meteorites, magma, acid rain. Life won't begin until your bicep, and from there to your wrist, it's all single-celled, ocean-going stuff. Reproductive sex won't show up until your wristwatch, and creatures that are finally big enough to see tubes and fronds and weird plant animals will crisscross the back of your hand. You get what they're saying? You're basically starting here, you're tattooing down the history of the world, okay? I don't even know how to say. Trilobites paddle across your palm. Ancient forests grow from your knuckles. Dinosaurs wind around the joints at the ends of your fingertips. Mammals burrow burrow into your cuticles. I know, quite the tattoo, for sure. (laughs) Orangutans, arrowheads, Cleopatra, the names of the stars, they all have to fit on the sliver of fingernail at the end of your longest finger. And you... Your grandma's toffee bars, your CD collection, your treehouse, your best ever Halloween costume, every regret you'll ever have, every dream you'll ever have, every mouth you'll ever kiss or wish you had. They'll all ride the microscopic edge of your fingernail, a tattoo so thin you'll need an electron microscope to glimpse it. I'm getting angrier. File your nail and you'll wipe out your entire family tree and Shakespeare and ancient Greece with it. Listen. Here's the worldview. We are each no more than a spark, a moat illuminated for a split second as it passes through a beam of light. You're basically nothing. You're insignificant. That's not true, beloved. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. This world was made for us. And then he says, People say, who wants to feel so small? Let me eat my burrito. (laughs) Response, I say, be big, big big-hearted, big-witted, big-eyed. See, try, love, read, make, paint, and taste everything you can while you can. You still have some hours left. Go. Seriously? No wonder our young people and even people who have grown up with that nonsense are feeling hopeless and without any purpose. What is there in that? 
You have a few hours left, go. Get all you can, experience all you can, YOLO, baby. What a wasted life. What a disappointing life. Beloved, here's the truth, okay? And by the way, truth remains truth whether someone believes it or not. Did you know that? That's true, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is not, this is my truth and this is your truth and we can all have our own distinct truths. That's not what this is. That's not what the Bible is. If it's true, it's true because it's God's truth. So here it is. Every human being who has ever lived and has died, every single one will physically one day live again forever. Every single one. Why? Because everyone who has died will in the future be physically resurrected and will exist eternally. Their soul, which is separated from their body at death, will be reunited with their risen, resurrected body. That is what the Bible teaches. Which is, I'm going to show you in a second. However, listen carefully, and this is, you can't miss this. This is super important. All those resurrected will not live forever under, they'll live forever, but they will not live forever ever under the same conditions. Did you hear what I said? Not everyone who is resurrected will live forever under the same conditions. What do I mean? Well, tragically, beloved, tragically, my friends, for many resurrected people, for those who do not have the Son of God, their eternity will be a horrific existence completely apart from God. A never-ending physical existence of painful agony and horrific pain. But for all those who have been saved by the grace of God through the saving work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, for all those who by God's undeserved and unmerited kindness have been rescued from the wrath that is to come, their eternity will be a most blessed and physical existence superior to anything they have ever experienced before. Lived out in perfect union with God forever, their creator, and with, by the way, everyone else throughout time who has been sovereignly and mercifully saved by God. The saved, those who have the Son, those who have received salvation through the risen Christ will live forever in their new, resurrected, and glorified bodies, in a new heaven and a new earth, in a world absent of sin. Yeah? Yeah. Absent of mourning. Huh? That's, our, that's what we're celebrating this morning. Absent of crying, absent of pain, in a world that is full of righteousness. That's the resurrection hope of the one who has the Son of God. A world full of peace and full of incredible joy will be our experience. But those who die without the Son, I just want to tell you, they will live forever too in their resurrected bodies. But it will be in a place full of mourning, full of crying, full of pain. They will have no peace. They will have no joy. My friends, hell will be no party. 
You see that nonsense. Well, I'll see, I'll be with my friends at least, having a good time. No, no, not at all. That's a lie of the devil himself. Hell is a prison. That's what hell is of the worst kind that no one will ever be able to escape from. Hear me, not even by death. No. You know, you're locked up in the penitentiary. You got life. You know how you get out? You die. Not so in hell. For just as the resurrected bodies of the saved will be made and suited to enjoy and live forever in that new heaven and that new earth that God has promised to the redeemed, so likewise the bodies of those who do not have the Son will be made and suited to suffer forever in the lake of fire. Beloved, that's serious stuff, right? You say, why so serious, Jeremy? I don't know. Let me ask you something. If your neighbor's house was on fire and you knew they were asleep inside, would you do something serious? Huh? I hope you would. Would you scream fire? Would you scream get out before it's too late? Huh? And in a group this size and on a day like today, there's some of you who are in houses and they're on fire and you're asleep. And I'm screaming as loud as I can, fire! Run to the door that says Jesus and he will rescue you. Listen, this is the point I want to drive home to you today. This is it, really. All who die, all who die, will live again. Because sometime in the future, everyone will be resurrected by God but they will not all live out their eternity in the same way. And I know that, and I can say that because that's exactly what the Bible teaches. It says there is not one, but two very different kind of resurrections. Very different resurrections. So, now, let's look at that text. John. It's in the book of John. You can open your Bibles there, and and I want you to... Actually, I'd like you to do that if you have a Bible. It's page 890 in those blue Bibles, chapter 5. I want you to see it with your own eyes in the Word of God. This is what it says. Do not marvel at this. It's the Lord talking. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. All will hear his voice. All who are dead will hear his voice. In the context, that's the Son of God. It's the voice of Jesus Christ. They'll hear it and watch the power of this voice, and they will come out. Those who have done good to the, what's it say? Resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Another translation of the Bible puts it this way. Do not be amazed at this. A time is coming when all who are in the grave will hear his voice, and they will all come out of their graves. Those who have done good will rise and live again. Those who have done evil will rise and be found guilty. 
One writer says this about that passage, when men are raised, not all will be raised in the same condition. There will be two resurrections for two classes of men. There is a resurrection of life, which is what we're celebrating today, my friends, if you're a Christian. But there is also a resurrection of damnation. The Old Testament also refers to these two different types of resurrections as as well. In the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 2, there we find these words, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. They'll awake when the Lord calls them forth. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Don't miss the fact that, look, pull it up just real quick, that both resurrections are everlasting. Both conditions are everlasting in nature. Now, I'll come back to the passage, this passage that we just looked at, or the one actually, not Daniel, but the one in John in a moment. But first, let me say this to some people who, uh, you know, I guess their scientific mind won't allow them to uh, embrace these, these ideas, the resurrection, or they have a hard time with the idea that those who have been dead for centuries and have been basically reduced to nothing more than ashes will be raised again in a physical body. Sounds crazy. I don't, yeah, maybe to someone who doesn't know the power of God. And they might ask, hey, how will that possibly work? I mean, come on, Jeremy, you know, over time, everything breaks down and it just, or what about those who are blown up and they're They're not even in a grave. They're everywhere. Who knows where they are? The wind has taken them away. So on and so forth. So how does it work? Guess what? Here's my answer. I don't know. I do not know. I have no idea how God will do it. But honestly, is anything really too hard for the creator of the world? Seriously? One writer says this, some counted an incredible thing that God would raise a physical body that had been trampled under the dust for more than 1,000 years. Certainly God knows where the dust is. And since he fashioned the body of Adam, yeah, a real man that he created, God, the first man, that's right, Adam, I mean the first man, God created him out of the dust of the earth, that's what we learn in Genesis not some from primordial soup over thousands of years and some thing crawling up out of the ocean. And look, here we are. It's nonsense, beloved. It is nonsense. But certainly God knows where the dust is. And if he fashioned the body of Adam out of particles of dust, it's only reasonable to believe that he can fashion it again. He's the creator of the universe. Now let's look back at the text again in John. John 5, 28 through 29. It says in verse 29, and they're going to come out, they're going to hear his voice, and in verse 29, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, okay? And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Another translation of that last phrase uh, puts it this way, those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. All right, now, I came back to this text because I want to make sure of this, that no one walks out of here thinking wrongly, as many unfortunately do, that salvation or eternal life with God is earned or merited by our works. I want to address that because if this is the first time you've heard this passage or you don't know a lot of the rest of the Bible, 
you might hear this verse and think that we can do good, or by doing good, we earn our way into heaven, or we get, as a reward, the resurrection of life. Okay? That's not true. How do I know that? Well, let me point out a few things. The book of John, where we find this passage, makes it abundantly clear that we as sinners are not saved by our works from the guilt and penalty of our sin or from the condemnation that we justly deserve from God for sinning against him and rebelling against him. But rather, the book of John teaches unequivocally that sinners are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Christians, amen? So for those of you who are not sure about that, let me show you. Very clear, very clear. John 3.16 through 18. You know, many of you know these passages, but I want to read them to make sure you understand what's going on and help you understand in John 5. So John 3, 16, 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, what? Believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, the world of sinners. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does what? not believe, is condemned already. Why? Because he has what? Not believed in the name of the only Son of God. He's rejected the only one in whom salvation is found. And so, he will pay the price for his sins and he will stand condemned before the judgment seat of God. He is condemned. He's he's living in a condemned state. He can escape that. His house is on fire. He can escape the fire. He can escape the destruction that is to come, but he must flee to Jesus Christ, who is the only name given under heaven by which we must be saved. John 3.36 also says this, the one who, what? Believes in the Son. What do they have? Yeah, they, they have it. The one who, what? Rejects the Son will not see life this eternal life, this resurrected life, but God's wrath remains on him, or the resurrection of life, that is. Oh, they'll see, they'll see, they'll be brought back to life, but they won't experience the resurrection of life. They'll experience the resurrection of condemnation, of damnation, of judgment. John 6, 40, just another, again, another passage, very clear. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, that's, who's that? Jesus Christ, and does what? Believes in him should have eternal life. And guess what? Here's the promise. And I will raise him up on the last day. Raise him up to be with him. Raise him up unto life with God. He's talking about the resurrection of life. Now listen carefully. While it is true that salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, I'm going to explain now John 5 to you, it is also true that if a person has genuine saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then this is also true. God has given them a new nature. He has made them a new creation. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And enables them by His grace and the power of Christ to produce works that God deems as good. True believers, those who are saved, they'll still struggle with sin, okay? However, however, they will also manifest the righteousness of Christ in their lives. Yes, they will. 
true believers. That is why verse 29 says, listen, that those who have done good, those things God deems good, which can only happen through this new work in the believer, will experience the resurrection of life because their good works produced in their life give evidence to their salvation in Jesus Christ. In contrast, unbelievers, those who reject Christ, those who do not abide in Christ, those who do not have a saving and righteous producing relationship with Christ, their lives will give ample evidence to the fact that they have not been saved by God. One writer says it this way, those who are truly Christian, commenting on this verse in chapter 5 of John, do live a different kind of life. They do, not perfectly, but they The characterization of their life is they obey Him, the Lord Jesus. They abide in Him, and they walk in the light. And I can imagine that that might confuse some people because they know folks that say they are Christian and live like the devil. But let me say this. Just because you say it doesn't make it so. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Christian. Well, your works will reveal that. Your life will reveal that. If you are, you've been changed. You've been given a new nature. God is at work in you. You'll live differently. You'll still struggle with sin, but you'll live differently, and you will manifest the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life through the power of the Spirit that indwells you. Another writer on John 5, 29 says it this way. Listen, judgment, as always in Scripture, is on the basis of works. This does not mean that salvation is on the basis of good works. For this very gospel, the gospel of John, makes it plain over and over again that men enter eternal life when they what? Believe on Jesus Christ. But, here's the key, the lives they live form the test of the faith they profess. This is the uniform testimony of Scripture. Salvation is by grace and is received through faith. Judgment is based on men's works. It'll be very clear to all. There'll be no doubt about it. This one is a child of God demonstrated by their life. Their life manifested works wrought of God, good works, righteousness, because they were the Lord's and He is changing them and has transformed them. And this one, who knows not Jesus Christ and does not have a relationship with God, his life manifests that, demonstrates that, proves that, look at it, it is a a life filled with rebellion and sin. It's marked by those things. It's a life that's not lived in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, having addressed that, let me take you back to the book of the Bible that I open with, or 1 Corinthians, just for a moment. And then we'll come back to the passage in John about the two kinds of resurrections. So here, how do we connect all this together? So in the Apostle Paul's discussion to the Christians in Corinth about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, he makes this statement in verse 20 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Okay? He makes this statement. Christ... He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Okay? 
End of story. That's a reality. That is true. And then he goes on to say this, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In this verse, in this context, those, well, either way, in this verse and everywhere you see it, those who have fallen asleep, though, and based on the context, it's not talking about just anybody who's fallen asleep. He's talking about believers, Christians, those who have the Son of God, okay? Those who have been saved by God, by His mercy and His grace, and whose souls are presently with the Lord, okay? And they are now awaiting the promised resurrection of their bodies and the new glorious world that is to come in which they will live forever in those bodies, in those bodies. So he says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, Paul says that Christ's bodily resurrection of the dead, it's, it's the first fruits of these dead believers. First fruits of these dead believers. What is he talking about? Well, the word first fruits is related to, if you were a Jew, you certainly in the first century, you would immediately understand what's going on, but was related to the practice of the Jewish people as prescribed by God in the Old Testament of ceremonially dedicating the initial part of their harvest to God, and it was a pledge of the whole harvest that was to come. So the initial out workings of that harvest. They would take the first fruits, dedicate to the Lord in the ceremonial process, and it would be a a pledge to God of all the harvest that was to come. Also, a, a guarantee that there was more to come. So, Paul uses that word. It's beautiful in describing what Jesus Christ's resurrection was. One person comments on it, and he says this, just as the first fruits were a pledge of the coming harvest that would be presented to God, So, our Lord's resurrection is a promise that all who are in their graves, who have died trusting Him, will be raised and brought into the presence of the Father. That's it. See, that that is what we are celebrating today. Christ's resurrection will be our resurrection. It is a resurrection unto Not judgment, not damnation, but a resurrection unto life. And life, beloved, is life with God. That's life. Anything apart from God is, you might be alive, but that's not life. Now, let's go back to John. So he says there, now we see the connection. What is this? Do not marvel at this, John 5, 20 and 29. For an hour is coming when all are in the tombs will hear his voice and they'll come out. They'll hear the voice of Christ. And those who've done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Okay, so now let me put it all together. Every person who has ever died will be resurrected. Death on this earth is not the last word. Huh? Where's that cup? This is wrong. Nonsense. You don't only live once. YOLO is blasphemy. But only those who are saved, only those who have been redeemed by Christ, 
will experience a resurrection like Christ. The first fruits of the saved who have, been, who have fallen asleep. And this resurrection is the resurrection of life, beloved, that, that Jesus is referring to here in John. That is, it is a magnificent life lived out, hear me, in glorified physical bodies in the presence of God forever. <laughs> it is a life that will be devoid of all sin and all ruin and all pain and all misery. That is something to get really excited about. That's why we... I say, he, yeah, we sing, we sing, and we say, he is risen, and then they respond, he is risen indeed, yeah! Right? Because his resurrection, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, is mine. Is mine, and all that that means, it will be a life as our creator always intended for us to live. It will be a life that will experience all the wonders and beauties of the coming new earth and heaven that God has promised in his word. And beloved, we don't have time to get into all this, but the cross, that death made that all possible for those resurrected unto life because it removed their guilt, their sin. It made it possible for them to be and live with God, or be with God and live with him forever because Christ takes away that sin that separated them from God through his work on the cross. So, one writer says, we as resurrected men and women will live forever in new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's 2 Peter 3, verse 13. We will live in a renewed earth. A renewed earth. Yeah, a good one. A beautiful one. Nobody will be talking about global warming in the new earth. I'm just telling you right. You'll never have to hear that again. A new earth that will be set free from its bondage to decay and become like a new garden of Eden. I don't even really know what that's like. I know a little bit, just a little of what's in Genesis, but I can only imagine. I know it doesn't have weeds. For that, I'm very excited. But... but, you know it will be a renewed planet. And here it is, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. Listen, hold on, listen. Don't miss all this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. I love that. I love that. That's how the NIV puts it, the home of righteousness. Beloved, the home of righteousness is where God will dwell. And it will be the permanent and physical home of all who participate in the resurrection of life. For all who have been saved through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Revelation 21, that's what we're studying while we're studying Revelation in our growth groups. This is towards the end. This is looking towards the end as God kind of brings everything together and let me read it to you. Then I saw, this is John sees this vision. It's coming. This is going to be a reality for the redeemed. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Beloved, that is the Christian celebration right there. That is the resurrection of life. That is, that is what we get worked up about, or at least we should. Okay, But my friends, hear me. Remember I said I wanted to speak to you who maybe you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't know if you have the Son of God or you do know that you don't. All who reject the Son of God, all who die without the Son, all who have not been saved by God will still be resurrected. Their souls will be united again with their bodies and they will stand before God and be judged and found guilty for their sins because they, were not, they did not have them forgiven through the cross because they never embraced the cross. They never embraced the one who hung on the cross to make them right with God. They did their own thing. They tried another way, another path. But no other way or path leads to heaven. Christ is the only way. They will be judged, found guilty, and condemned. Why? Because they do not have the Son. They do not have the Savior. That might be one of you. I am certain of it. Some of you in here right now. And they will be thrown into the lake of fire. But they will not cease to exist because they will have bodies that are made suitable to exist forever in such a place. Revelation 20, the great judgment that I'm referring to where all believers are called forth, resurrected to stand before God, all unbelievers, unbelievers, all those who do not have the Son. Verse 11 says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. They're resurrected, great and small, everyone, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then you see in verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
You know whose name is written in the book of life? Those who have the Son. Everyone who has a Son, their name is in the book of life. You know whose name is not in the book of life? Those who have rejected the Son, those who do not have salvation. One writer says this, While it is true that millions have lived and died of whom the world knows nothing, their thoughts and deeds are divinely written where the memory of them can never perish. An accurately guided hand has recorded the biography of all, and all evil will be accounted for in that dreadfully solemn hour. If you have despised Jesus here, it will mean judgment there. If you have belittled the invitation to heaven while here, you will be cast into hell then. Which resurrection will you be a part of? Thomas is going to come up here in just a moment, and we're going to play another song. Christians today rejoice, we celebrate, because we know, because of the Word of God, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we will be part of the celebration of life. But if you don't have that relationship, my friend, your destiny is the resurrection of judgment, the resurrection of damnation. But it doesn't have to remain that way. There'll be some folks, along with myself, the elders of this church will be up here after the service. Don't leave if that's you. If you're not sure, or if you know for sure that you don't have the Son, would you come talk to us? I hope, I hope, based on everything we said, that you would see your need for the Son. You wouldn't walk out of here going, yeah, 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 no. Don't do that. We're here for this particular reason, to tell you how you can have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to talk to you. Don't leave here. We'll be right up here after the service. We'll be right here. You come to us, we'll talk to you. We will show you how to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you too, then you too will never be the same. And you too, every year that you're allowed to live on this earth, will celebrate with every other Christian the resurrection of life.